Welcome to Meanwhile in Memphis, where New Memphis is celebrating our city by providing a weekly window into the ways Memphians are solving problems, looking forward, and successfully shaping the community. Hello, Memphis. Welcome to your weekly Meanwhile in Memphis episode. My name is Anna Mullins-Ellis. I'm here with my teammate, Christy Mullen. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, guys. How are you? I'm super excited to be here because it is like technically my first episode of... 2021. It is true. We've been doing this podcast now, this radio show, for four months-ish. Yes. Um, I think we're kind of getting our sea legs. You know? I like to think that, you know. <laughs> How was your holiday, Christy? It was really good. It was very nice, you know, very much low-keyer than normal. Um, and I know we've had this conversation before, too, like earlier, how it was kind of refreshing. Like, as sad as I was not to be able to see all my family and all the people, like, it was kind of refreshing not to be just so chaotic during the break. Yes. Like, my <laughs> – in the, like, uh, new year, new you mentality, I was like, okay, <laughs> like, my – call it a resolution if you'd like, but I was like, I'm going to be, like, silver lining person. Okay. I'm going to be, like, positive outlook, Anna. So that was my – like, I started with the holidays. Yes. I was like, I don't get to see friends and family in the way that I want, but – I watched a lot of movies, Christy. <laughs> watched a lot of garbage TV. Slept in Wholeheartedly a lot. support Did, these yeah. decisions. So was just really focusing on that as, as a gift and not a as a tragedy. So. I like that. So like in the New Year, New Me vein that you're talking about, I have never been a big resolution person. Um, I try to set like goals, which is just a different word for a resolution, let's be real. Um, but so last year, my whole thing was like, we're going to set boundaries. And I failed miserably. <laughs> um, and so, like going into this year, like after such a year as 2020, I was like, we're not going to do that. We're going to still set goals, but we're going to set instead of like one overarching, like large goal, I'm going to set these smaller, like integral goals. Like, you know, maybe you go to bed before midnight two nights a week as a goal or something, you know, they're just very minute. Like well, That's the thing about trying to like insert optimism into your life yes. because it really like, I I started this year again with like, you know, the high hopes um, and then, you know, was like, okay, today silver lining being optimistic is like not just like scrolling <laughs> through Twitter to watch like our government yes. collapse. It's not going to be to like watch CNN for more than an hour, you know, like, so, you know, you just have to right-size your personal yes. expectations of yourself. And you really – no offense to Twitter that is listening. I also <laughs> no, love Twitter. all the offense to Twitter. I love uh, – like, Twitter's <laughs> fun, but as a 30-something-year-old woman, I have gotten on the TikTok train. And it is seriously, like – it is so cathartic because they have everything. So, like, from home renovations to people that are into, like, very weird endeavors – like, not weird endeavors, but, like, just <laughs> – I don't mean it like that are into very like niche endeavors, like building miniature houses for things or like miniature things or people that just make funny content in like under a minute. Like I have recently become I've not I've not officially like created joined us, but I'm now like I'm lurking on TikTok now. My friend, Melissa Harris, who is an artist, she has started a TikTok account where she like makes Uh, art. Yes. But she has a younger sister um, who's like works in publishing and. She wrote a book about etymology, and she does, like, a daily TikTok about, like, a word – like, a weird word yeah. origin. And it's, like, very fun. Um, so, it's, yes, it, it is <laughs> – this is – now I've, like – I've amended my resolution. Like, now, like, <laughs> Silver Lining Anna is, like, bypass Twitter, 
Go straight, go to, straight TikTok to TikTok because I disagree. Twitter is not a fun place. It is a dark, dark hole. <laughs> it's not a fun- of sadness. I and yes, I it fall into it every morning between like four and six a.m. Oh, no, when I never, wake up and I'm just no. like, what will I do? I guess anyway. You cannot Twitter that early in the morning. I just sets if you're new optimist Anna, you can't set your press. The combination the of like insomnia and Twitter is like a very bad mixture. Uh, like it's yeah. a nasty cocktail. Get of on just the TikTok absolute train. Absolute sadness and despair. You can get on our text. It's literally just me and Nora that also works in our office. Guys, listening, we're the only people in the office that watch TikTok, um, and so we are welcoming new people to our text chain. <laughs> I will happily be the old person that joins TikTok next. Well, I don't think I, I think I failed to mention in our introduction that we are from New Memphis. Again. Yes. <laughs> Hi. Meanwhile in Memphis, presented to you by New Memphis. We are a local nonprofit that is focused on making Memphis magnetic for great talent. For uh, We are focused on developing and empowering leaders in our community to help shape a better future for our city. And that is what inspired us to create this radio program and podcast, however you are consuming it. So every week we invite on change makers, leaders, people who are just pushing our city forward in a variety of ways. And today, our first episode back here in 2021, we have two lovely, lovely guests. Uh, April Childs Potter from the Greater Memphis Chamber will be here to give us an update on all things the Memphis economy. If you are a local small business who's wondering how on earth you can get support, she will give you some advice. And then I'm very happy to say we have Natalie Wilson from the Levitt Shell. Very She's excited. the executive director. And uh, we're going to talk much more about the Shell in a little while. But um, a beautiful Memphis asset that we are pleased to say is uh, pushing through <laughs> through this next year. You'll learn more about what they have done to get through the pandemic and what they've got planned. So stick with us. Again, this is Meanwhile in Memphis. I'm Anna Mullins-Ellis. And I'm Christy Mullen. We'll see you in a minute. Step into the fast lane with New Memphis Accelerate. Accelerate is a free three-month experience that offers college juniors and seniors the skills and networks necessary to get career ready. As part of the Accelerate program, students will grow as leaders, receive top-notch professional development while exploring career paths available right here in Memphis. Do you have a high potential college student who would benefit from this competitive program? Refer them today. Learn more at newmemphis.org. Hello, guys. April is in studio with us, and she is the chief marketing officer at the Greatest Memphis Chamber. Welcome, April. It's good to have you back. Thank you guys for having me, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, I guess. (laughs) That was not a positive way to start the show. Pause. It is a new year. Yes. It is, in fact, a new year, and we are still here, and things in Memphis are, you know, we're, I don't want to be too optimistic, but I feel like we're turning a corner in some ways. Um, I know, you know, December was challenging. We've still got, you know, work ahead of us, but it's it's exciting to see vaccines rolling out in our community. Shout out to the health department, who I think is doing the very best they can, Mm -hmm. and God bless them. Um, so as Christy said, April is here from the Greater Memphis Chamber, who are here to support all of our local businesses, big, small, and everything in between. And we appreciate all the work that you do. And we know what an incredibly challenging last year it has been. So uh, we wanted to just kind of generally ask you, as we look to the next year and what's coming up in 2021 for the Chamber, what are you excited about? What are you what do you want to make sure that businesses know that they can access through the chamber? Um, you know, I know, again, we've got lots of businesses who are living in mystery. So what uh, what can you tell them about the state of the world right now? <laughs> oh, well, that's a really heavy question. question. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, well, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me. I do love visiting with you guys. Um, and I'm excited about the podcast continuing into this new year. Um, we had such a crazy 2020, which I think is the case for everyone. Our leadership team was was meeting um, at the beginning of this month to think about where we were in January of 20, uh, 2020 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just the crazy shifts and the things that happened just even in those first two mm-hmm. months, all the work that had happened during that time. So I think overall we feel really um, positive uh, with an asterisk of, you know, you never know what will happen. But I think overall um, we're feeling good about the direction of our local economy. As I've said a couple times since I've been here and been a guest on the podcast that uh, Memphis is really well positioned coming out of COVID to really make some big, bold moves uh, when it comes to growing jobs and investment and being a real beacon for the type of talent we need to get some of those higher wage jobs that we want to see more of. So I think we're cautiously optimistic about where we can go and what's going to happen in the future. The vaccine rollout plan um, is going relatively well. I think um, there's some kinks that are being worked out at both the federal and state level, but I think we're anticipating that that is going to be um, very helpful. But we're also realistic about the fact that um, I think back to the very first conference call we had with the business leaders um, and some healthcare officials locally, and someone said, how long do you think this will last? And the healthcare <laughs> officials said, 18 to 24 months. Yeah. And there was sort of visible sighing and also a few um, not for radio words uttered. <laughs> it was like just one solitary tear <laughs> drops yeah. out of someone's And I think that um, we had a really hard time just collectively – Um, not just businesses, but everyone recognizing and understanding how long we would truly be in this environment. And I think it's really becoming clear that, you know, we're going to be here probably at least for the next couple of months, if not the first half of the year, if not, you know, a little further. But the good news is a lot of businesses have started to figure out how to work in this environment. Uh, We are also seeing some more relief packages. We anticipate Mm -hmm. with the new administration, there'll be another round of relief coming out at the local level. There's been some more aggressive efforts underway um, by the Community Foundation and and Shelby County to really stand up and support our most impacted workers, which are our hospitality and restaurant workers. So, and I think in a pretty gloomy context, you know, Memphis has made some some good strides and we've we've got the runway in front of us to potentially come out of this in a more positive way. But it's going to take a a big community lift. And I think we're um, helping lead that charge alongside a lot of partners. But it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah. And I mean, as you said, I think, um, you know, unfortunately, the reality is that every city in the country, many cities across the globe are experiencing this in in, in their own way. So we're not singular. And I think that does, as you said, sort of poise us for being really strategic and aggressive as we come out of this and just some inherent assets that might help Memphis find more opportunity in the wake of all of this. And that's certainly something we've been talking about Mm -hmm. in Memphis as we think about talent that's looking for, you know, uh, more affordable places to live, talent that, you know, might be displaced that's just looking for their next step and making sure that we are thinking about, you know, and just knowing that, you know, while our local economy has obviously been severely impacted, the consequences haven't been quite as severe as in some of our peer cities. And I think that is something that 
you know, for better or worse, we're, we're, we're happy about. Um, so, you know, as you said, we've, we've got some more stimulus um, and some, some other opportunities, both materializing now and hopefully some on the horizon. For businesses that are curious about what those might be or how they might access them or how they might get support in accessing them, uh, tell us about, you know, how the chamber is making sure the businesses understand what can often be complex, uh, you know, sort of bureaucratic ways in which they can access some of these federal and state benefits. That's a great question. I think that um, Bobby White, who's our chief public policy officer, has, we've jokingly internally, he's really become the chief translator of complicated government <laughs> documents and information. Um, and so the team, um, along with Amy Daniels and, our, and Nancy Coffey and, and all the investor folks, and um, have done a really good job, I think, of helping both be a resource that you can pick up the phone and call and ask, but also proactively pushing out lots of information. We do have a COVID-19 um, business resources page that is updated, not as regularly because we're not having, uh, fortunately for our sanity, new updates are not happening every five minutes <laughs> as they were in March of last year. But uh, we are still regularly updating that. Um, if you sign up for our Monday morning message, then um, you will also see information there. And following us across our social channels is really the easiest way. Mm -hmm. We host a, a, a lot of webinars. Um, we've hosted uh, meetings with the Small Business Association and others to really help guide business leaders through the decision-making process to help them understand the impacts, to understand the, the uh, things that they need to do to be prepared for some of these larger opportunities. And at the local level, we can, of course, continue to both connect business leaders to specific resources and help them navigate where to go and, and how to get what, but also um, provide some education along the way. We're doing some great things, particularly for our smaller business, um, our smaller businesses. Our Small Business Council uh, worked last year to start building what they're calling the Small uh, Business Resiliency Playbook, okay. which is really a compilation of recommendations and best practices from local business leaders to help uh, individual businesses really plan for hopefully not another pandemic, but just to figure out how to build a more resilient business mm -hmm. at that small business level. So that's just one example, but we have lots of resources like that that are available through our site. And then if you are an investor in our work, which we of course encourage you to do, we are not a government funded organization. We are a privately funded organization. Our businesses invest in this work. Uh, then you get access to even more of that type of thing, as well as this sort of concierge service of one-on-one -on -one and, and con you know, consistent feedback to be able to pick up the phone and ask our team questions and, and help us connect you to resources and walk you through uh, some of these really difficult questions. Yeah. That's what I really love about the chamber is that it's not – I know a lot of people, when they think of it, they think of, like, the big businesses. You guys, like, help the major employers of our city. But you guys actually trickle down all the way from the big employers to the smaller businesses. And that's one thing I really – love that you guys focus on. So it's really cool to hear that about, you know, the small business resiliency and all of those things that you guys have on deck for us. Um, I had a question and I think you're the person to answer it. I'll do my best. So kind of since you guys kind of are the voice of the business community in Memphis, what does the hiring landscape kind of look like? What is kind of the trend you're seeing for 2021? And, you know, those that may be listening, you know, COVID impacted the job market so much and people. So I'm just kind of curious, you know, what you might know about what that looks like in the future. Absolutely. So we do a, we just actually in December stopped doing it by month. We stopped doing it every two weeks and started doing it once a month. But we release um, when new unemployment numbers come out. 
about 24 hours or less after that, we release a market update report that's publicly available on our website. And it highlights five different um, benchmark factors that we're looking at to sort of assess the health and wellness of the market and how we're doing in the context of COVID recovery. Uh, As part of that report, we look at both week over week job postings. So how many how many postings were last week versus this week? What's that volume of new? You want to see that going up? Yes. Uh, we have been moving in the right direction since about late July, early August in terms of that volume going up. Great. Um, I think what we'll be really interested to see as we're, we've got more data to look at over time is where the bulk of those jobs have been. A lot of that new hiring has been bringing people back mm-hmm. in the restaurant and hospitality industry. We anticipate there might be a little dip in that yeah. because of the most recent regulations, but we're, we're hoping to see that consistently grow. The other thing that has been sort of positive, a, a key positive for our economy is that COVID has, whether we like it or not, completely changed the way we consume goods and services. Mm-hmm. And so a key part of that is people are having more things delivered to their home. And we are a hub of logistics. We yes. are the uh, center of the universe um, as, <laughs> as far as we're concerned. For I was about that. to say I'm part of the problem right. of one of those people who's getting our everything solution. delivered to right. their home Thank at you for this helping point. keep our economy like, moving. I did the same thing as I dropped boxes off at my um, recycling this mm, this yes. morning. Um, but the so we're seeing a lot of hiring there. And what I think will be interesting is that as our big logistics company, and there's more to, I mean, people talk about logistics, but there's so much that's wrapped into that in our economy. I mean, there's an entire industry around packaging mm-hmm. that's advanced work. It's design work. It's cool, creative, interesting work. It's really trying to figure out from how we make more sustainable packaging to how you make more efficient packaging. I mean, how many of us have opened a package and just, you know, love the delight of yeah. how perfectly something's packaged. There's a whole industry of that here. That's something we could really grow. And we could we could other logistics places and other companies that that um, send goods places to consumers can benefit from that work. And so the the long-winded thing that I'm trying <laughs> to say is that we have a foothold in an industry that's going to continue, not a foothold, but an anchor in an mm-hmm. industry that's going to continue to grow. How we bring more technology mm-hmm. and innovation jobs in that industry to our market is going to be pivotal to our long-term success. But if we can continue to build on the successes that many of our educational partners, University of Memphis has some great logistics mm-hmm. and packaging uh, at CBU and others to really help us capitalize on more of that logistics technology bent. Same thing with agriculture. Um, The way that we consume food is changing, and COVID has accelerated that change. So if we can um, continue to take advantage of that, we're going to see more jobs in those industries, and that trajectory is going to continue to grow. And those are the kinds of jobs that have a snowball effect. Yes. Once we start to get you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 of those, it starts to really, really, really blossom. And so I think that you're going to see, hopefully, in the next 24 months, more growth in some of these anchor industries, but more of a bent towards the technology side okay. of it, which will be, I think, welcome in our environment in terms of the wage potential of those types of jobs. No, that's so exciting to hear that we're building that momentum to kind of propel us forward in those industries even further. And I know the Chamber has a nice job resource center, if I'm correct, on their website. That is correct. um, Where you post job listings. So if anyone's listening and you're like, 
needing to research jobs and are still looking at the chamber, I know is a great resource for that. We actually, I'll do a quick plug. We have two places. One, we have an immediate jobs opening. So our goal there is to just help the displaced workers Mm -hmm. get from where they are today into another position. But as part of that immediate jobs opening page, which you can find on our homepage of our website, there are also some great free tools like a skills builder, a resume Mm. builder, some ways that you can assess as an individual based on the skills. Maybe you're a bartender and you've been displaced from your job. There may be specific skill sets that you could translate into a call center job or some other type of position that you've maybe not thought about, I love but that. we can sort of help make that connection for you. And that's kind of tied into our upskill work. So that's one set of job postings on our website. And then we also have member job postings that are just the traditional that we've always had um, that that may be longer lead time <laughs> where you might go through a, a different process, whereas those immediate job postings are things people need like yesterday. Yeah. So there's kind of two layers of that information available on our site right now. Awesome. I love that about especially the skills builder thing. That's like such a for the displaced workers like that is such a nice tool to have because sometimes it's hard as us to go outside ourselves and be like, okay, I have these skills. Where else can I apply them? And so I think having to articulate that. Right. That is definitely more so probably it is like, how do I translate it into a different career field or path? And I think having access to things like what the chamber is providing is just great to make that happen. I want to make one more point on that because the language is so critical. I think one of the most, you know, I didn't, I'm not from the chamber world originally. I'm a marketing research person. So I've learned all these things over the last several years that are fascinating to me. One of which is that there's such an importance now placed on the words people use in their resume. Mm. And there's a gap between the words people need to use in their resume Uh. to get the types of jobs they want and particularly to get through some of those HR filters Mm. um, and and what you do. And so one of the things that we have worked on through our upskill program is trying to help both our educational and training partners, but also those folks that work directly with employees, you know, um, staffing agencies and and even other entities to help align language so that people understand if you're trying to move into a logistics technology job and maybe you've been, you know, a package handler in the past, what kind of key words do you need to pull out of your resume to sort of align Mm -hmm. with with this new opportunity? And we've seen great success in other markets where um, the business community has really rallied around that common language and helped to really push that. It's a way to really – just something as small as that can really move a worker up a wage opportunity and along that spectrum in a really meaningful and a faster way um, just by changing language. So it, the skill part of it is really critical, but the language is really important as well. Yeah, it's absolutely correct. Well, I know we've been a little bit doom and gloom, and I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get my head right and be like, no, like optimism. So give us one, two, three things, whatever you want, that you're looking forward to, the Chamber's looking forward to in 2021, whether that be, you know, a development, an event, anything that you are, you know, just anyone in Memphis might go, yeah, that's cool. (laughs) We're excited. Yeah. um, Well, we've got a lot. Um, You know, I think that uh, (laughs) there's so much going on. So there's a lot to be excited about. Um, I think the kind of key things from my purview are our upskill work continues. That's Mm -hmm. really critical. And we've really started to align some more strategic partnerships around that. So I think we're moving into the third year of that work. Um, Well, I guess it's the second full calendar year, Mm -hmm. however you want to slice (laughs) it and dice it. But this is where the that starts to come to fruition. You mm-hmm. start to really start to see the results. So I think we're really excited about 
some of the things that will happen there for sure. Uh, another piece is, um, as I've mentioned before, um, the business community led by really Beverly Robertson's leadership, our CEO, has been working really hard behind the scenes to um, think through how um, we can use our heritage and think through our heritage as a civil rights city, as a city where really important civil rights work has happened and, and consequential events have taken place to um, address some of the racial inequity that's happening in our country um, that was really laid bare in the last year and beyond. Um, and so the, the business community has been engaged in what we've called Protest to Progress, which is a group of business leaders meeting consistently with activists and others to understand some key areas that um, the community wants to see uh, major change in that the business community can impact. And so those um, outcomes, the, the recommendations from that work will begin to roll out here in the next couple of weeks. So I'm really excited about that work because I think not only does it speak to one of the really tangible differences of our community in terms of our ethos and the way mm -hmm. that our business community really gets down in the weeds and has really tough conversations. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that is going to do a lot both to move our community forward and to continue to position Memphis as a place where there is a diverse and rich culture of people who care and want to do the right thing. And so I think that's really exciting. And then the last thing I'll say is um, one of the big you know, wins from my perspective of 2020 for the chamber was getting Ted Townsend on board as our chief economic development exactly. officer. <laughs> he's fantastic. He knows his stuff and he's got great relationships and he's really hit the ground running. So I think that um, the fruits of that, um, the tree that got planted last year will really start to bear fruit this year as well. Um, some really strategic initiatives, some some really smart and different ways for us to market the market to companies and investors, particularly in light of all the things that have happened over the last year. So I think that from a, um, I can't reveal all the details of that yet, but I think there's some really big things coming there that the community can get excited about and our partners can get excited about and that will really get us to those jobs and investments that we want to see in the market. No, that's great to hear. And again, you know, it's, I know it's, it's tough to put on a, a opportunity lens and sort of a silver lining kind of outlook, but I know that Memphis has so much opportunity coming out of this. And I know that you guys at the chamber are the right folks to identify those opportunities and really aggressively pursue them. And we're so grateful, as you said, you know, I, I, I think it's important that we continue to remember when we talk about building our economy that that is from every level <laughs> of our, you know, every person in our city has to be a part of that. And your focus on equity and access and just having those difficult conversations and making sure that we're crafting an economy around the people we have here and that we're making sure that we're building as much access to that opportunity as possible, I think is just really affirming. And we're not every city has a chamber of commerce that does the kind of work that you guys do. And if you live in Memphis, you may not know that, you know, yeah. and I think, as you noted, you guys are um, a nonprofit that's funded through donations. So you really are an organization of the people and of the businesses from, again, big to small. So uh, I think that, you know, when, when I think of what makes Memphis special, I certainly count the chamber as one of those one of those assets that is very unique for other peer cities. Well, I appreciate that. I do think that we do have a really unique chamber and a really unique business community mm -hmm. in this market. And I don't know how much the, the community really recognizes mm -hmm. how special and different that is. 
but it's really important. And I do think having an economy that works for the people that we have here, as you so eloquently said, is regardless of your feelings about anything else, strategically, we've got to activate the people that we have. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to build an economy that works and functions. And so um, this is tough work, and it is not for the faint of heart. Mm. And there are lots of difficult conversations and lots of misperceptions and, and lots of differing opinions. But I think we've been very fortunate with the type of leadership that we have and uh, frankly, all the way from our board chair, Willie Gregory, and our previous board chair, Richard Smith, um, have been really committed to moving Memphis forward and making sure that we get the kind of growth that we need. And getting people activated and getting access to those opportunities is a cornerstone of making that happen. Amen, amen. Well, April Childs Potter, it is always a delight to have you in the studio with us. Thank you for joining us today. We'll have you back in a couple months. and. Hopefully we'll, you know, I'll again get, uh, <laughs> we'll get have my sunnier outlook. On and we'll, you know, maybe we'll be vaccinated. We'll, we'll sing a happy that. song yeah, before we start tambourine. And we'll like start Please out do. With a little, little joy jam. This will now be a musical podcast. <laughs> I'm so sorry in advance. <laughs> well, it's good to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. So great to see you both, and thank you so much for having me. Bye. Find your happy with New Memphis Embark Work-Life Balance. Do you know it? As young professionals, finding your happy place as a person and a professional in your career can be overwhelming. That's where New Memphis comes in. Through the New Memphis Embark program, you'll get reacquainted with the city we call home, learn to maintain love and enthusiasm for your career, and elevate your skills even while on the clock. Let New Memphis reinvigorate and amplify your love of living and working in Memphis. Find your happy with New Memphis and apply for Embark today. Visit newmemphis.org for more information. All right, Natalie is here with us, and she is the executive director over at Memphis's beloved Levitt Shell. Welcome, Natalie. How are you? Thank you. How are you? Great. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm very excited to have you because... You know, just some background setting. Let's introduce yourself, tell us who you are, and then get into kind of a little bit of an overview about what the shell is. Oh, absolutely. Well, first of all, you know, we love being what we call Memphis's backyard. The Levitt Shell is a treasure that has been with us for generations. This year is our 85th birthday. And oh, so wow. me, Tom, being its representation, I'm just honored to be a part of such a beloved asset for our city. And the Levitt Shell is... Um, we're here, we're alive, and as executive director, we're we're looking at an exciting 2021 and 2022. <laughs> so, awesome. It's a neat time. Yeah, that's super exciting. So you said 85, 85 years? 85 years, yes. I did not know that. I'm not a, like, I am a Memphian now, but I'm not a Memphian by birth. Yeah. So I wasn't quite sure how long the shell had been around. Yeah, give um, us a quick history lesson. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I want to know, like, why was it created? What I, was the... I get giddy talking about the history of the shell because Please. it is incredible. And to talk about where it's been and how it rose, you know, in 1936, um, Roosevelt gave $14,000 to the city of Memphis, part of the WPA Works Movement, to create these venues. And there were um, we were one of 35 across the country that were created during the 30s. And then uh, with $14,000 each city. And these venues were created, these shells were created to build morale, trust in the government, 
and um, building community through the Great Depression. It was built, it rose during the Great Depression to get people back working, get people um, coming together again and having trust in that the world was different, but it was going to be okay. They were going to get out of the Depression. So in 1936, our beloved shell was called the Memphis Open Air Theater. The moat was (laughs) a place that operettas of live theater um, Rogers and Hammerstein would bring in um, productions to the stage. It was used wow. for chamber music, uh, dances. It was Shakespeare. It was used that inspired people together. But the beginning in 1936 was making the performing arts accessible to everyone, that everyone had a place, that it was open, that it was free of charge, that it was for everybody. Everyone had a place. And even at, inspired at 19, in 1936, through the years of the civil rights movement of some of the best mu- musicians of our time played the stage from 1954 with Elvis Presley to Johnny Cash to the Motown greats to um, ZZ Top and some of the incredible concerts of the 70s. Even the historic, um, uh, what we call the Country Blues Festival that created an entire genre of music called the con- Country Blues all started in Memphis at the Levitt Shell. So it was the Overton Park shelf for many, many, many years past the years it was called the moat. Mm-hmm. And when it um, it was an interesting time from the 80s to the 90s where the city of Memphis, it, it, it became in disrepair. And there was a lot of question as to what would happen to it. Could Would it be bulldozed to create a parking lot, more parking in Overton Park? Would a would a part would a um you know would a highway go through Overton Park? And there were many champions and visionaries who said, "No, we must protect it for generations. We must ensure this place never goes away. It is too important." So you know, in the seven, um, we became the Levitt Shell um, with the uh, support from the Levitt Foundation out of L.A. in two thousand seven, okay. and that's when we became a nonprofit. And our nonprofit organization stands today. And even in the midst of a pandemic, just as we created in the Great Depression, we're coming out of a pandemic. This wonderful jewel will continue to stand and will be about everything Memphis is good, everything that's about our wonderful community. And building community through music is something that we're very blessed as a city to have. Yeah, no, I mean, the vision of the shell is... Um, so beautiful. I know. And I was like, that's so well put. For the last, I guess, you know, 13, 14 years, um, you know, if you if you didn't live in Memphis 14 years ago and you didn't sort of know that this, you know, we didn't have, you know, free concerts four or five days a week, that right. we didn't have like all of these ways in which people can come together for free. Mm-hmm. It's such an essential part, I think, of kind of Memphis life and what our what our social calendar feels like. Um, so tell us, getting back to the mission, which I think is, you know, building community through music. What does building community mean? Right. Like, how do you guys, again, not just in this, you know, challenging time, but right. how, do, how do you live that out? And how does that instruct building your calendar and deciding yeah. how you do your work every day? Yeah, it, it is a process. It is a model. And it's about curation. You know, when we talk about intentionality, about bringing people together, the shell is a place a public gathering space first. Yes, we are a historic performing arts venue, but first we are a public gathering space. As a space that gathers, as it's for, you know, owned by the citizens of Memphis, which we are, we have a responsibility that the way we bring music and the way we make um, music from our stage 
is invites everybody in our community to come together. So what that means is equity. It's about we are a place for all Memphians. We're a place for all people to come. And that while, you know, people can come and say, well, I don't know that band or I don't know that type of music, they will know that the quality of music that we produce is for everyone. It is family friendly. And that the the ability to make the arts accessible to all mm-hmm. is a catalyst to spring people together that may not know each other, but because of the beauty of music, they're meeting a new friend, someone that maybe they would have never come to know. But because of the shell, it created a unified space. It, came, it brought people together in a way that is beautiful. And I think our world needs more of that. You know, as we think about the unrest and 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 the fear that we've had through uh, through the this year and and in the past, I think it's places like the shell that. Back to what we were created to do in the 30s is morale. What does morale look like? How do we build it? How do we build bringing people together? And how do we make people realize that everyone is special? Everyone has a unique um, perspective, but we we need to respect everyone. And I think the shell is about that. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, at, at New Memphis, we're, you know, in the business of city building and thinking right. about how do we create greater prosperity, mm-hmm. a better future for our city. And we look at data across the country, across the world, and there's a really interesting correlation between, and this is why the shell is so fascinating to me, uh, between how many public meeting spaces a city has. Mm-hmm. So whether that be public parks, you know, uh, downtown core, you know, like the... Main Street Mall is a, is a good example of that in Memphis. Um, and there's also a strong correlation between free art assets and people's access to culture in that mm-hmm. way. And the fact that the Love It Shell does both of those things at once, mm-hmm. I think, is really special. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I talk about what I, you know, often sort of jokingly, but I mean, I mean it when I talk about like the sort of Memphis Renaissance that we're in yes. the middle of, I think a lot of it can be taken back to that point in history in 2007. And there was a lot happening, but I think the Levitt Shell to me is such a cornerstone of people, as you said, who just had a lot of vision, mm-hmm. who believed deeply in public assets that said, we can't rely solely on private development <laughs> to make our city the city we want. We have to put equity and inclusion and arts and culture and just communal space to, to build this authentic community. And I think, you know, I, I don't want to overstate the impact of the shell, but I really do feel like you guys, your success and your, again, sort of fixture as um, just, again, a touchstone that every Memphian is like, they know what the shell is. Um, I think that that really meant something. And I say that sometimes about Crosstown as well. I say that about, you know, the downtown development, about Shelby Farms. Like part of this, I think, real just without all of y'all being in uh, in cahoots necessarily, this really beautiful movement that I think has put us on this trajectory that I'm certainly very proud of and I think is really core to like what we celebrate in New Memphis. So uh, I love that. And I grateful. think the word that you, you, you use is placemaking. Mm. These places, these public-private partnerships through the city from our conservancies such as Shelby Farms Park and Overton Park to our the Memphis River Parks Partnership – these public-private partnerships that are public gathering spaces, a place for all, but being able to reimagine and vision uh, a grander purpose, and that is how do we make our city um, better? How do we make our city um, accessible through these places that inspire? Mm. How are the programming, how are the use, these multi-use spaces, how does it can inspire but also build what you talk about the renaissance and i am I, i've looked at history but also looking from 2007 to today 
the property values from mm-hmm. these places, looking at the economic, not only economic significance um, from a, a quantitative standpoint, which is the data sh- it shares, but that qualitative. That's the lifestyle. That's the memories. That's the nostalgia. And that's something that can never be reciprocated without these places. So I think, you know, the Shell, this last year of being dark, has been an eye-opening even for me, who loves it because I love as a fan of it, but also our 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 shell family, our friends, our all the people that would be on the lawn have said to me over and over, it's I, I cannot tell you how it's a hole in our heart not having the shell. We mm. miss it so much. We've realized how we will never take it granted for granted again. And I think that was a it's been a it's been a journey of saying yes, you're right. So let's invest in it. Let's yes. take care of it. Let's preserve it for generations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, you know, one of the great obviously there have been so many struggles to the last year for so many different people in our community. But just the challenge of how do you engage people in community when you can't safely right. be together is right. something that we've certainly yeah. had troubleshooting <laughs> quite a bit over the last ten months. So with that in mind, tell us. Again, I mean, looking back at the at the last year, of course, um, but, you know, I think what everybody who's listening wants to know is what is coming up at the Shell? Sure, yeah. How can we continue to support the Shell? When can we be back at the Shell? All of the <laughs> questions. Tell us what we Absolutely. need to know. Absolutely. Well, just like New Memphis Institute did an amazing job of reimagining programming and supporting um, our community through the things you did last year. We did, too. We we said, OK, so we know we can't gather. We know we can't bring music as we traditionally do. So we created a bot. We went into the virtual world. Mm. It, it was a model of virtual programming that not only inspired and, and really involved our local community, but we brought in 11 countries in every state in the union, watched our concerts um, for months and months and months. And we realized it wasn't the magic that we created on the lawn, but there was a way to create community virtually. Right. And so we said, we're, we, we took our brand internationally, and that was a positive step mm. last year of saying, we have new opportunity we never tried. The pandemic required us to try new things. Going into this year, the real focus is in sustainability of our mission, ensuring that when it's safe to come back grandiose, as we always <laughs> do on our 80th birthday, we will. But right now, we're going to meet the guidelines and we're going to come back in a gradual return with smaller music experiences um, in the spring and summer, probably um, will be uh, an, um, we will still live stream them for free, but it will be a um, a ticketed um, small music experiences probably around April through the summer as mm-hmm. we still navigate how the vaccine dis- um, distribution is going, and that will go um, for a while. You know, working with our local musicians, really giving a platform for our Memphis music um, industry to return because mm-hmm. there's str- such a struggle of our musicians are. Our sound crews, our, um, our just all of the people that make the music of Memphis, we're going to support them. We're a huge employer of music, and we are going to really focus on local this year. And then we hope we will keep navigating, but we, we are hopeful that in, this, in the fall that we could see a return to some of our, um, our free-of-charge concerts that we put on every year. Um, but again, we all of this is up in the air, and we're just going to navigate it. And the funny thing is, as an executive director who is all about planning, I've been in the event <laughs> world my entire career, 
it's like, oh, so we're going to have to really take a day at a time or we're going to have to really take a week at a time. But right now, that's where we are. Yeah. Yeah. But we want to assure the public that through the their public investment in our nonprofit organization and supporting us, we will return. It's coming. But we've got to do it safely. We have to do it with sustainability in mind that our nonprofit to stand. Yes. And that um, so we can all roll back together. But safety for our crew, the love we mentioned um before that, you know, the green rooms of the shell are very tight and small. Mm. It's very so we, we have to ensure that we can do it safely. But being an open air amphitheater, it's perfect. And um we want the public to know when we come back, we've got our strong health safety plan for return. Um, smaller groups, social um, kind of distanced on the lawn, but it, that it's a safe, great space to bring events. Yeah. So one of the things we're offering this year is that the shell is open to business, to new groups, to be able to use it, more rental events okay. to come in, nonprofit fundraisers, um, to weddings, to mm. corporate gatherings, that there is nothing better than the shell for these these <laughs> social distanced and really sa- as a safe space. So more partnerships, we're opening it to more opportunity. And then that's and that's back to reimagining ourselves to think about a lot of people from me, me included is saying, I forgot that the show might be opened I could, to bring my event, but that it yeah. is so amazing. And we've got a, a state of the art sound and lighting to really host anything. That's what, like, I was so impressed by with the shell, especially in 2020. I know when people think of the shell, especially like me, I, you automatically think of the concerts. Like, that's the first thing that reigns to your mind, even though I know you guys do other things. Like, that's the thing that reigns supreme. But I know, like, you guys took an opportunity, I think, in August of this last year, and you teamed up with Baptist Memorial Healthcare mm-hmm. to do kind of events based on wellness. Can you tell us a little bit yeah. about that? Yeah. And, well, in 2019, it was a goal that um, to, to really rethink the program model for the awesome. shell. That although music has been our focus for the first 11 years, I really wanted to see program evolve into lots of other opportunity. And one of the things about the shell is that we are we are a historic music venue in a park. Mm-hmm. We are mm-hmm. a public gathering space that is a green space that and is to has a response a civic responsibility to holistic health. So we feel as a venue inside an incredible green spaces over in park. We have an opportunity to bring make that accessible, not only music, but also the opportunity to be healthy. And holistic health is not just physical health, but that's mental, you know, mental health. What does mental health mean? Is and why is that taboo? Um, looking at, you know, all type, you know, from nutrition to all these opportunities to be healthy. And so, with in the midst of the pandemic, we created the Shell Health and Wellness Series, which was launched, like you said, in August. And we partnered with Baptist to create a full line of virtual programming around from fitness to cooking to uh, mental uh, meditation to uh, psychiatry, psychology. Um, to um, art, um, art therapy, which was a new a new concept for me that I wasn't familiar with, is using mm. the um, creative art and how the creative art can be a healer to mm-hmm. um, stress, um, which can be a killer when it comes to our our mental health. And so um, we it, we really created a, these full line of programs, and then with the goal that eventually they'll all come live at the show, which was the the goal in 2019 yeah. for them to all we just be. had to shift a little bit. So in 2020. so this spring <laughs> we'll be bringing our um, Shell Health and Wellness Series live okay. with some incredible uh, partnerships throughout the city that will be involved in it. And um, most of these programs will be free. Some of the programs will have a small entry fee just mm-hmm. to support our trainers. But it will be making 
um, health and wellness something that is accessible too. That's what I was about to say. It's mm-hmm. like opening that accessibility yes. even broader right. to our city. And I think that's something – especially in a pandemic year, which I know we talk about that a good bit because, I mean, we have to. Yeah. But it's we've seen so many of our city's assets, like the Shell, have to change kind of the way they are thinking about their missions, mm-hmm. thinking about accessibility. And you guys have really done a beautiful job of implementing that. Thank you for that. Well, you know, a, a piece to our business model that we are creating which we were we were hoping to launch this year. It's called Shell on Wheels, which can take That's our adorable <laughs> to take our, our vibrant mission into neighborhoods, communities, zip codes that do not have I access. You know, we have a massive access issue in our city. We know it. Yes. We look at our transit. We look at our um, opportunity. Looking even at, with the pandemic with internet. You know, we we take for granted mm-hmm. that everyone has um, the same services. And, you know, as an organization that really is, we are committed to equity and inclusivity. We have, we have been, we have said, and we are even more saying that we must be intentional to go where people are, to mm-hmm. serve where people are, and that we need to reimagine that, that the, our historic stage can be a catalyst, but we can go to where people are on behalf of a place that's for everybody. So, um, our making the accessibility to the arts, um, especially in communities underserved, the arts are the last thing that is going to be accessible. The yeah. last That's not a core immediate need. And we feel like, yeah, we see what the performing arts does. We see the value of it. We know. Mm-hmm. We have the data around it, like you said. And so we um, believe that going and building this outreach model called Shell on Wheels is our future. So that's an exciting piece to all of this that we're about to We're we're going into, we're building the model. The vision, I have to share you an inside, is that it will be a literal stage on wheels and I use the, the sound, but it, it will open up as that's a what shell. The shell makes. Oh, that's lovely. the sound it makes. With our beautiful, yes, with our beautiful lights and sound, just as it would be on as a mobile stage. And so I think the great work, uh, work of um, Opera Memphis is an example of that. Yeah, we that. had Ned here a couple Ned weeks ago. Is incredible, and, and the work that they're doing in Opera Memphis, very uh, a similar piece in the um, in his flatbed uh, mm-hmm. stage that he did, and I loved it. But um, in a in a way that will be. Uh, real shell centric, so focused on Memphis, um, Memphis music heritage, history of music in Memphis. So there'll be a big educational piece as well as a performing arts piece. I love that you're going to where the people are, and that just like opens up a whole nother realm. Because, like you said about like arts, it's not an inherent need, quote unquote. You can't see my air quotes because mm-hmm. I forget we're on the radio, but it is a need. Like. How mm-hmm. art impacts people's lives and changes their lives is a core need, and yes. it helps in so many different ways. And so I think you guys taking that opportunity, just like we talk, mentioned Opera Memphis, like getting it into the community, taking it to where the people are is just a game changer, I think, yes. is going to be for Memphis. Well, and I believe, and we believe at The Shell, that music is essential. It's essential. No and this argument year here. <laughs> has been an example of that in a grand way that – um, the beautiful, the things that we love about music, the things we love about the arts, the performing arts, the creative art, whatever is your is your favorite, um, it's essential in our lives. It's essential to our morale. It's essential to our uh, well-being. And we believe that we must invest in it, make it essential, make it this investment in these places. And I like the shell and the programmings, the great um, programs around ar- the arts and throughout the city that we need to see that community investor investment continue. So I think it's essential. And and. This year, when we all come together, I, I think about in the arts, our, our arts coalition here in the city, we talk about what will it be when we're all back <laughs> together? 
I think be... that the pendulum's going to swing hard. We're going to be I like, I'm going to be out every night at every night, every Limit Chill concert. <laughs> Yes. Well, Natalie, we really appreciate you joining us. I hope that everybody who's listening um, it, as is as uh, energized by having you and your vision mm-hmm. shared. Uh, before we go, we want to make sure we tell everybody how they can get involved. So yes. what we've heard is if you are looking for a safe outdoor socially distanced event venue, whether it be your personal event, your corporate event, the Shell is an awesome place. Uh, if you're looking to go see a safe, uh, again, small group concert where you can get tickets. If you want to make a donation, the Levitchell is a nonprofit. They need your support. If you want to see them around, after all this is over, make sure you do your part. So, Natalie, how can people support the shell? That's great. Thank you. Our website is the greatest, easiest way. It's levitshell.org slash donate. It's every dollar makes a difference. Every um, piece of investment from volunteerism to corporate support to donation makes a big difference. We're grateful. Well, excellent. Please go visit levitshell.org. Drop some drop some tips to our local musicians yes. as well. I think that's yes. a great way to support not just the shell, but the musicians that they yes. employ. So Natalie Wilson, the executive director of the Levitt Shell, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you and your work. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys, for joining us for today's episode. Um, Just some closing notes and remarks and events and things that are all going on. Um, Alongside Jim Carrey's Subaru, New Memphis is very excited to announce we're sponsoring the annual 20 Under 30 from Memphis Flyer. Um, We want you guys to join us for a virtual celebration as we cheer on the class of 2021. You will get to hear from the next generation of leaders speak to their views on Memphis, you know, just how they're working to create change and growth. And also, you will get to mingle with some of the best and the brightest as we just revel in a new year with the young Memphians making new waves in the city. You can learn more and register for the event by simply visiting our website, newmemphis.org slash events. And we hope you register and see you there. Speaking of, you know, things you can do in the city and how you can learn more, if you are not already following New Memphis on social, I don't know what you're waiting for, but I need you to hop on that bandwagon. Um, We share all kinds of ways for you to get involved with your community, mentorship opportunities, and just so much more. And so you don't have to take my word for it. Head on over to our social channels, especially our Instagram, at The New Memphis. Again, that's at The New Memphis. And please just start following us and communicating with us and let us know what you want to see. Um, And then one final call out. Our New Memphis Fellows Program is accepting applications. As we begin, you know, this new year, I truly encourage you all to consider investing in your own professional development You know, here at New Memphis, we believe that what you shine a light on grows. And if you take time to invest in yourself in 2021, imagine how much you will propel yourself forward, especially professionally. Um, Fafellows is just a premier community-wide leadership development experience that is targeted toward mid-career leaders in Memphis. Um, We have a history that spans over 15 years. And again, we're just designed to make those high-performing professionals who are already excelling in their career, we're there to amplify your positive impact in the community. So if you're interested, if that sounds at all like something you want to do, please, please, please go to newmemphis.org and slash fellows and apply today. Um, Again, we would love to have you and we just want to help you be the best you you can be. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I'll see you next time.
Meanwhile in Memphis is brought to you in partnership with WYXR, produced by New Memphis and hosted by Anna Mullins Ellis and Christy Mullen. For more information, please visit newmemphis.org. Audio for this show is recorded and produced by the OAM Network. For more information, please visit pod901.com.